Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey always reigns supreme. Whether you were raised at the barn in Uniondale or born in the stable at Belmont, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, let's drop the puck and get this party started. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, June 25th, 2023. Coming back with another edition of Hockey Night in New York. A little summer show to get you ready for the draft, free agency, what may or may not happen in the summer of the New York Islanders in the summer of Lou Lamarillo. My name is Sean Cuthbert. With me, as always, is Mr. Stefan Ross. Not always, but you know, a lot of times. See, it's so ingrained in my brain to say, as always, and haven't said that since Christian, but you're here. You're who? with me. Yeah, I don't know. Who yeah. But yeah, with me is Stefan Rosner. Got a great guest coming up, Rachel Dory of the Hockey News and host of the Staff and Graph podcast. Stefan, how you been, pal? I am. Uh, I'm recovering from a hangover. But besides that, I'm okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You were you were sharing your night with the world last night uh, a little bit. On yeah, once you drink, you got you got to put Twitter away. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah I definitely got to do that. No, it was a ton of fun. Pre, that's like my pregame for Nashville. That's how we're looking at it. I'm just glad yeah. uh, you're not wearing, you know, shades. I'm glad you made it into the studio. I you're brought here. shades. You did. They're in my bag. All right. Well, you good. made it. We're good. We're that's here. important. So, yes. so yeah, we're, we're firing the mics back up. We're going to find out if we remember how to do this whole thing. But, uh, you know, we figure with the draft coming around, free agency, and, and you know, we already got, uh, you know, we threw the tweets out there for the show tonight. We're already getting ribbed, like, oh, it's going to be a short show, huh? Not much going on. But there's plenty to talk about here. We'll see what's going on. We're going to kind of see what the Islanders may or may not do. But before we jump into all that, I want to remind you that we are proud to be presented by Blue Line Deli and Bagels, flagship location is 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Also happy to be sponsored by Lost Farmer Brewing Company, located at 63A 2nd Street in Mineola. And, of course, Main Street Board Game Cafe, located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. So, Stefan, as I was just starting to say, there is a big week ahead in Nashville. You got the award show tomorrow night, Monday. Uh, GM meetings on Tuesday. Then the draft will be Wednesday and Thursday, which is kind of new. They used to do like a Friday-Saturday thing. Now it's during the week for Yeah, I think Nashville, there's a lot, a lot of stuff going on, I think, the weekend. So okay. maybe they're moving it up. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, Friday, the buyout period ends. And then Saturday, July 1st, free agency begins. And you're going to be there, buddy. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm looking forward to this. I was at the draft in Montreal last year. Ton of fun, great networking, great. I mean, you get to see, you get to see everyone. You know, it's like a big party. And um, as long as you get the work done, of course. Sure. And so it's going to be a ton of fun. It's going to be hot. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So you'll be covering for uh, for the hockey news and also big congratulations oh, to you for that. becoming the correspondent for the New York Islanders over at NHL.com. Appreciate Very that. cool. I get to work with Compton. Look at you. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You it is some, what it is. Some. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, all right, let's jump into it and let's see what's going on. What are the Islanders going to do? Now, all you guys that have been, you know, keeping track of this team, you know that they already have a ton of players under contract already going into the season. There's only a few free agents. However, some of them are, are a bit important. We want to know what's going to happen with those guys. Are they going to make any deals? We know the cap situation. We know it only went up by a million. So if they want to bring those guys back and, dare I say, add to the team that they have, they're going to have to make some moves. And, the role. and the that's role. Yeah, right. But that's what we're going to be talking about. And look, they, they have just over $5.3 million in cap space after re-signing Samuel Bolduc. Uh, pretty full roster. Um, you know, we discussed this during a, uh, a Twitter Twitter chat uh, with with Stefan. You know, their needs a top six forward, a puck moving top four D. So for me, Stefan, and I think 
you know, for you as well as, as all the Islander fans out there, like we all seem to think we know what the needs are for the New York Islanders this season. The question is, does Lou agree with that? And if he does, how is he going to address that? He had his he had his uh, press conference earlier in the summer saying, or back in May, whatever it was, saying he wants to bring back all the free agents and, you know, may, maybe he'll look to add if and where he can. So how is he going to do all of this? Well, I think we might as well start here. Yeah. Starts with Josh Bailey. You heard his words after the year. He said, if I'm going to be sitting around, I don't, I don't want to be here. Essentially is what he said. He goes, I want to play, which makes a ton of sense for a professional hockey player at 33 years old. And obviously he's had a couple of years where it's just been, it's been rough. And then Lou said that it seems like it might be the end for him here. And I think, I think everyone realizes that if the honors are going to make, not only make additions to this team, if they want to bring back everyone, they have to move his con. It's $5 million. You need it. You need it. And you know, you could buy him out, which saves you some cap. There's also a cap penalty. You have to pay him a little longer. But if they could trade him at the draft, which we'll talk about in a second, if they could trade him at the draft as full $5 million, whether you have to attach your pick or not, that changes everything the Islanders are able to do this summer. Everything. Because, again, people want to say, well, what can Engvall come back at or Mayfield? It all depends how much money Lou has. And right now, $5.3 million is not enough to bring everyone back. And if that's Lou's plan, you got to move Bailey or, or you got to move somebody else. Sure. Yeah, and I used a very professional scientific method to, to come up with, you know, just how the Islanders are going to bring all those guys back. And the truth is, I mean, it just starts with, with Josh, ba- Josh Bailey. And, and I, I got to say, I was a little surprised that, that Lou already alluded to the fact that he's, he's pretty much done with the team. Yeah. I, figured, I figured that's something he would have held a little closer to the vest, but he was like, yeah, he's probably, you know, seen his last days in and out of the uniform, which was surprising to me. But it's the truth, you know, he's probably the first guy you look at. The question is, you know, what are you going to do with him? And, you know, you have technically three options, right? You can buy him out. Now. You can trade him. Yeah. Or you can bury him in the minors. As far as I'm concerned, burying him in the minors isn't an option if you're looking at this year and if you're looking at saving money. It's not going to give you enough money to bring those guys back, let alone add anything to this team, right? So that's pretty much out for me. It's either a buyout or it's a trade. And the buyout, and I know you have the numbers, yep. and you can give that to us in a second, but it's not going to give them enough wiggle room to, A, bring those guys back if he truly does want to bring them back. And then it's going to make it even tougher to add something else. So as far as I'm concerned, you have to find a deal which means you're going to have to probably find something to add to a deal to get rid of him because the Islanders aren't going to look to retain any of that money at There's at no all. point. If you're, right. going to, if you're going to give up a pick and they're going to retain, you might as well just buy him out. You want that $5 million. So, yeah. But for the sake of, I suppose, just having it all out there on the table, if the Islanders did decide or, the, or their backs were against the wall and they had no other choice but to buy him out because they couldn't find a trade, what are the numbers there? Yeah, so if they buy him out, it's $2.33 million they're saving and it'll be a cap penalty of one point six six next year. Okay. Again, like we said, you don't Islanders don't want to be paying other, anyone next year. Well, they're gonna have to pay people, but Sorokin is the main concern. So they would roughly get an additional three point four million, give or take. Yeah. To the to the cap space if they if they bought him out for this now, year. Now, like you said, the buyout window closes on Friday. Right. What the Islanders could do, and I think that's what they're going to. It's the smart move. Is mm. you don't buy him out now. Mm. You see if somebody will take him at the draft. Sure. Yeah. If someone's willing to take the whole five million for if it's a second, it's a second. Whatever you have to mm. do to move it. You do that, and if you don't, a second buyout window can be opened. There's a guy named Colin Adams the mm-hmm. Islanders have. Okay. If he files for arbitration, doesn't have to settle, nothing. As long as he files for arbitration, that would open up a second buyout window, which would allow them to, after the draft, there's no buyers, no one takes Bailey, they could buy him out again. So rather than rushing to do it right now and then having, again, having to pay him, 
they at least have options to draft to see who bites. And if no one bites, then you do that route. Like you said, you go bury him in the minors. It doesn't do anything. Now, last year at the draft, sources told me that it would take a first to move Bailey. Again, he had two years of control. That's $10 million total. That's a lot. This summer, I'm hearing it's a second. Again, it's just one season. And there's some mm-hmm. teams that could take him on, but as you've seen on social media, I know uh, Craig Morgan um, said that, you know, they're not interested in the Coyotes. They're not interested in it. And um makes sense because they're trying to win. As for that jersey trade we just saw. And that's that's probably Arizona, Arizona Coyotes. Best move in, I don't know, trying to win. <laughs> well, it was actually a move to add and and yeah, exactly, supplement the team. But the they're going to have to add players just just you know for the sake of reaching the cap floor. Yeah. And even though they may not be interested in a guy, quote unquote, interested in a guy yeah. like Josh Bailey, they may have to bring in a guy like him anyway just to reach the floor or come close to it. Now, if, if that's all well and good if they want to finally add guys to to supplement the roster that can actually perform on the ice, and if they do, great. But there's probably going to be somebody out there that's that's willing to kind of you know dangle that cap, cap space for the Islanders if they're willing to kind of pay a price, which they did with Andrew Ladd, and which you know teams have done before. So I think you know that's kind of what you're looking at, where whether it's in Arizona or whether it's maybe a Chicago, you know, or I, I believe uh, before the show you even mentioned Buffalo as a possibility, and maybe yeah. you can expand on that a little bit. But um, but you know, I think that's ultimately what it's going to come down to is is Lou just finding a dance partner that's willing to take on Bailey's contract, and and yeah, Lou is probably going to have to give up either somebody in their barren prospect pool to go along with them or another draft pick, which he doesn't seem to be shy about giving away. People have to remember too, as much as Bailey's meant to the organization, he has nothing on his contract. No, no sixteen team, no trade list, no no trade clause at right. all. If Lou finds a match and he's willing to move him. He doesn't have to ask for Bailey say. Now, I think he will. Again, Lou, I mean, Lou likes to invest in the people. It's not just the player. He's mm-hmm. not that he's a dad to these guys, but he, he, he cares a lot about these guys, as he mm-hmm. should. So I think if he finds a spot for Bailey where Bailey's gonna play and it makes sense, he's gonna talk to Bailey. He's not gonna send Bailey, I don't think. Maybe he'll let him know, say, hey, by the way, like this is the only deal we have. We're gonna ha- we'll give you a heads up here. You're not gonna find it on Twitter. But, you know, we if no one else bids for you, we're gonna have to make this move. Like, for example, Chicago. They're fifteen point eight million dollars from the cap floor. Right. They might just have to yeah. take a guy like now. They could re-sign as many players as they have, and I think Bailey is a good fifth there because I think one, they have no more leaders in Chicago. Kane, mm. Taves are gone. Dunk Keith was moved earlier. You're trying to recult. You're going to get Bedard there, a young player. Not that Bailey. Yeah, they can, can help. use some veterans to help. Exactly. With that, yeah. And Buffalo, I just want to add too, is they have one roster spot left. And I did the math. Well, I just looked at cap friendly. Shout out cap friendly. $14.5 million in cap space. One roster spot left. They have a guy named Tyson Jost who they could re-sign to fill that last spot who they acquired last year. Or they could bring Brady there. Oposo's there. But they lack they, they lack that veteran depth that maybe a team on the cusp of a playoff might need. It's in New York State. I know Bailey said, mm-hmm. you know, he's got family here. He doesn't He's not going to uproot his family. It's not happening. He did say that after mm-hmm. he retires, he'll move back and he's going to live on Long Island for the rest of his life. That's where he wants to be. Keeps you in New York. Was that a 30-minute plane ride? They have the space. I oppose a reunion. He might play. I don't know. Again, I'm not, I'm not coaching it there, sounds but it makes sense. good from a Josh Bailey standpoint and the New York Islanders yeah, why, standpoint. Why would the Sabres but, do but it? Do the Sabres, are the Sabres willing to bring him on? Like, I really think it's going to end up being a team like Chicago Chicago or makes the most sense. Financially a and team he's going to play. knows that they're out of it. You know, they're they're rebuilding whatever it is and a team that either, you know, 
you know, is looking to get to the cap floor or just has enough cap space where they're like, yeah, sure, we'll, we'll, we'll take your, your junk contract if you, if you throw us a, a prospect or a draft pick or, or two. And I think Lou will find a partner for that and he'll ultimately make it happen. The other thing about the Blackhawks is they might not need a pick in this year's draft, which is critical. They have so many picks. Mm-hmm. Other teams might say, we want your second-round pick, 49th overall pick this year. And if the Islanders did that, they would have no first or second, and then next year they don't have a third. So they, the Blackhawks might say, hey, we'll take a pick from you, but don't worry about this year. Two years down the road, here's a pick. That's what I'm saying. They don't have to do this year because Lou might say, I don't want to give up the pick this year. Like This might not be the one I want to get involved in. So it's a deep draft. Apparently, yeah. Well, well, we'll see. And that that actually went really fast because we got a break for Rachel Dory right now. So, want to thank everybody for tuning in to Twitch.tv/HockeyNightNY, and of course your favorite podcast providers. Later on, good to be back here on Hockey Night New York. We're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, Islander fans! You already know Blue Line Deli and Bagels is the best place to get your game day meal, and now you can get it at the game. Blue Line Deli and Bagels is proud to be featured in the brand new UBS Arena for all Islander games and live events as an official partner of the New York Islanders. Blue Line is also moving beyond Belmont, opening its doors at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. So whether it's at the Islanders' new home, East Islip, or at the flagship deli at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, all three locations are eager to greet you with their familiar friendly service and the best food around. So stop on in for delicious Bagel Boss bagels, hearty breakfast favorites, tasty hockey-themed heroes, freshly made smoothies, and so much more. And remember, you can always check out the menu and order online at bluelinedeli.com. Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Our goal is to make you a hero. Thanks for giving some time to our sponsors. Ready to talk more aisles? The train rolls on right here on Hockey Night in New York. Welcome back to Hockey Night in New York. Stefan Rodden here alongside Sean Cuthbert. Joining us now on the line is Rachel Dory, host of the Staff and Graph podcast and the Hockey News writer on all things numbers. Rachel, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Stefan. How are you guys doing? Doing, doing just great. fine. Yeah, welcome to the show. So thank you. I'll I'll apologize in advance about my voice. My cousin got married this weekend, so there was some partying happening. Uh, well, we'll, we'll partying last yeah, night I was, too. Uh, so yeah. it's all good. I do have my voice though, but I wasn't <laughs> screaming. So, Rachel, though, thanks so much for joining us here. Before we get into the questions about the draft and free agency with the Islanders, I wanted to ask you because you were at that last game at UBS Arena when you walked into the locker room. You know what was just your overall thoughts on just the room, the atmosphere after that devastating loss? Yeah. Uh, first of all. That room is really nice. (laughs) That arena is super nice. I was like, wow, geez. So yeah, it's it's definitely in terms of like amenities and stuff like that, gotta be at the top end, sort of the league, definitely top five. But you go in there and just you can see it, it's more evident on the older players' faces, the dejection, um, just the the heartbreak of it all. Like I think, I mean, by the time Bo and I sat down and kind of had a small chat. Like, he could barely get his skates off. He was just so distraught about everything that was going on. And then you saw guys like Noah Dobson and Matt Barzal even, who uh, was clearly playing at less than 100%. And you could tell it it's, it kills them inside. It eats them up. And so I, I really do expect that with the guys that they have in that locker room, that sort of feeling that was in there is going to stick with them. And they're going to come out next year, and and especially the guys that – that remain with the team, they're going to 
I would have to think have really good summers and and come out ready to go next year. For sure, Rachel, Sean Hare, uh, thanks so much for joining us tonight. So obviously we have the, the draft coming up this week, and, and the Islanders haven't been huge participants in that, at least on the draft board, just because they're, they're dealing all their picks away. Yeah. Uh, no pick in the first round, no pick in the third, but they are picking at number 49. So I wanted to ask you if maybe there was any players floating around for, for our listeners and viewers here that might interest the Islanders and their fans where, you know, obviously the Islanders have to invest a little more into these later round picks and hope that they pan out because of all the top end picks they're getting rid of. So are there any names there floating around 49 that Islander fans and the Islanders might want to look at and key on? Yeah, for sure. I think there's, I always say that there's three categories. There's steals. There's, we're really happy we got them. And then there's, I expect these guys to be here because this is the range that they should be going in. Anything outside of that, like getting Atu Ratu, for example, was an absolute steal, right? But if you're jumping up and taking a guy that I have never heard of, that's probably going to be an issue. So (laughs) steals-wise, I think there's three guys. Grayson Sachin, Tanner Molendyke, and Lucas Dragasevic. I don't expect those guys... I don't expect Sachin or Molendyke to get out of the first round, and I don't expect Dragasevic to last longer than the first five picks on day two. So if you can get him at 49, you're pretty fired up about that. And then you get... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say, what position do those guys play? Because the Islanders pretty much have a need everywhere, uh, you know, uh, in the cupboard because they're, they're it's so bare. But I just want to get the positions for those guys as well. Yeah, so um, Molendyke and Dragasevic are defensemen, and then you've got Grayson Sachin super versatile player, um, plays all over the ice, play power, play penalty kill. Um, he's kind of actually, I kind of think Sachin's exactly what the Islanders need, and I sort of hope he gets to him. The other thing that really matters with the New York Islanders is Grayson Sachin's a really high-character guy. Talking to people that were at the Combine, they do a bunch of off-ice testing, um, but they also do mental testing, and Sachin graded really high on a lot of those tests, so he's a really impressive human being as well. So when you're seeing players that are kind of coming out of the later rounds that are that are having success, and uh, I don't know if that's something we're seeing more of these days without actually kind of looking at the numbers and looking at the the articles and stuff like that. But but you know, is there anything that a that a team scouting staff can do or or is doing these days? It's maybe different from years past where they're they're figuring out ways to maximize these lower end picks because you know I know like over the years just just following hockey and looking at different articles coming out about the draft and you have the percentages and I bet you know them yourself is you know as you go down the rounds you know you have X percent for for a first round pick to pan out or even top 10 and then it goes down and down and down onto the seventh round and you know how how much of a chance you even have of a guy panning out are there are there, are there new methods these days that the teams are that are kind of taking to to try to get more out of these later round picks yeah so one of the things that a lot of teams are doing and like I can't believe that it's taken this long to to sort of get here is they're relying on analytics to help uncover those diamonds in the rough Right. So Carolina has been doing it for a while. The Leafs have been doing it for a while. Tampa Bay has been doing it for a while. And you're seeing that in Braden Point, Anthony Sorelli, um, where Toronto's concerned, Andreas Janssen, uh, Carolina. I mean, there's a laundry list of them. But <clears throat> you look at it, they're using analytics to identify certain trends and then they go and watch those players. The one thing I will point out, though, outside of the mathematical numbers of it, is I went and I looked at certain scores of players in the later rounds who had success 
Height had nothing to do with it. Weight, nothing to do with it. But every single guy, with the exception of, I think, like two, mm-hmm. graded a minimum of a four and a half out of five in two areas. Skating and compete. Mm. So you look at that, and it's like, when I say compete, I don't mean he's hard on pucks. I mean, do you have the internal drive to do what it takes to make it to the National Hockey League? And, and that's a guy like Braden Point. He's got that drive. He got there. How do scouts quantify that? You say it's like, like a five-point star uh, point rating. How do they even quantify compete? So I think what when you're talking about compete, there's obviously like, does he go into corners? Mm-hmm. Is he back-checking? Something as simple as that. Body language. But then what you can do is you go, you talk to the trainers, the coaches, the billets, and you say, what's this kid like off the ice? Mm. So I'll give you an example. Anthony Sorelli, Tampa Bay. Anthony Sorelli basically lived at the gym. So when they went, when Tampa went and talked to his billet parents, they were like, what's Anthony like at home? And the answer that they got was, we don't really know because Anthony's never Mm. here. He's always at the gym. He's always trying to get better. He's getting treatment. He's doing that stuff. And when you're doing that at 16 and 17, that shows teams that you're probably going to do that at 23 and 24 because you've shown you're willing to do what it takes to win. So that's sort of where the intangibles come in. You've got to grade high on just your will to want it. How bad do you want it? Do you want it more than the guy next to you? Yeah, and I know Sean said about the Islanders need help pretty much everywhere in, <laughs> yeah. in, the, in the pipeline. But if you're looking at this Islanders team right now, what position do you think they need to, in the draft, not for agency, in the draft to really yeah. boost their prospect pool, what position do you think they really should go for in that second? I know you listed a couple of guys, defense and a forward, but really what's that one position where if the best guy's available there, that's who they got to take? Yeah, so what I would say is this. at the When you get to that point, mm-hmm. there are going to be guys that shouldn't be there that are available, regardless of position, you need to take that guy. Personally, I think the Islanders need help up front. So guys like, I'll give you a few more, obviously Grayson Sachin, but Jaden Perron, extremely highly skilled. Charlie Stramel out of Wisconsin. Tamir Mukanov is a Russian kid. Super, super skilled. Um, Carson Repkov is another one. I think there aren't going to be enough forwards available there that the Islanders need to swing on a guy who is really highly skilled because they're missing that from their lineup. There isn't a lot of high-end skill in the Islanders lineup, and they need that. So unless a defenseman like Molendyke or Dragasevic or, I mean, I don't expect any of the other sort of defensemen like um, Dmitry Simashev to fall that far, I think you need to go with the forward and you need to take the best forward available based on your list. So to to bring it to more, um, you know, players in the league now, maybe the Islanders looking at a, a player to acquire in a trade or, or via free agency, just to kind of go back to the numbers here is, you know, what sort of numbers are, are, are scouts, scouting staffs, you know, professional scouting staffs looking at as far as guys that they think that they can help the team, you know, I mean. It's not just it's not just goals and assists anymore. It's literally, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm a little more old school. Like, I see all these advanced stats coming out. I know that dude, Jay Fresh, posts uh, player cards all the time, and it looks like Greek to me. Like, I still don't know what's going on with that stuff, but I know it's important. So, you know, what are, what are uh, you know, 
teams looking at in the, on the pro level now where they say, okay, here's a guy like Noah Hannafin might be available, right? With, with Calgary, with all the guys looking to get out of there. Yeah. Right. And you know, when they're <laughs> looking at these, these players that might be available, what sort of numbers are they looking at regarding those guys are like, yeah, this is a guy who can, who not only looks good with Calgary, but, but he can fit in with us as well. Yeah. So I think the one thing is when you're talking about your pro scouts, so you have your amateur scouts, your pro scouts, they're right. definitely, they're different. When you have your pro scouts, most of those guys, I have to be dead honest with you, Sean, they have no idea about analytics or any numbers. If you put any sort of math in front of them, they'll their heads will fall off. Like so me. <laughs> what teams usually do is they have their guys go and scout because that's what they're hired to do. Mm. And they employ analytics people to say, okay, does the scouting match the numbers? And have the numbers identified players that maybe our scouts need to be watching more closely because then your AGM can relay that information to the scouts and things you want to be looking at um, are, I mean, expected goals is kind of interesting because the private models are different than the public ones. But from a binary standpoint, you want to look at it for a defenseman, for example, Noah Hannafin, is he good at defending the line? What What's his first pass success percentage? How much time does Calgary spend in the offensive zone versus the defensive zone when Hannafin is on the ice? From a penalty kill perspective, does he allow passes to the middle? Does he have what we call killed plays, which is basically Calgary recovers the puck within three seconds of it entering the zone? Mm. All of those things aren't necessarily fancy numbers, but they do tell you whether or not that player is good at defending. Then you could do the offensive side of it. How many scoring chances are they creating? How many times have they turned a four check into a turnover and a scoring chance? Are they getting um, shots on net that lead to rebounds? Are they recovering loose pucks off of rebounds? All of those things are just counting stats, but there's stats that we don't necessarily see in the public eye that teams are looking at. And that could be very valuable, especially if you look at the Islanders, they're a heavy four checking team. They're not this like stylistic sort of Harlem Globetrotters team. So they're going to need <laughs> puck recoveries. Not. They're going to need, Shots on goal, that kind of thing. So going going from you know the Hannafin example, just looking at the Islanders right now and their list of, of UFAs, which ones, if you're not bringing all of them back, which ones, I guess, do you prioritize that you think definitely need to be back for this team? I think Zach Parisi, which is, I feel like, maybe a bit of a hot take, but you're going to get him on a league-man deal. He wants to be there. He's a perfect Islander. And he's somebody where in, in the app, like in an injury, um, in a pinch, that's a guy you can use. I think you're obviously bringing back Oliver Wallstrom. You're going to qualify him. He's coming back. Fine. I think you bury Ross Johnson in the in the minors. I mm. don't think you need him anymore. And from a UFA perspective, if Scott Mayfield wants less than $3.5 million, I think you bring him back. If he wants more, then thank you for your service, but we cannot afford to pay that. That's uh, it's actually great that you brought that up because Steph and I were talking about that before the show. What's what's that? What's that magical number for Scott Mayfield? And we were we were kind of in that ballpark, but to to look at potential players that maybe the Islanders could look at to add to this team. Is there anybody that that sticks out to you? I was looking at the free agent list prior to the show, and I see names like Dmitry Orlov because everybody in Islander country is talking about our need for a puck moving defenseman. Is he a guy that? you know, could help them out. And obviously you have to look at the salary structure, of course, but is there anybody that might be available via free agency or even by trade? If you happen to think somebody's out there that, Hey, this is a guy the Islanders should definitely set their sights on if it's possible. Yeah. So I think there's a couple things that you got to consider Can they move Bailey and Peugeot, because if you can, that gives you 10 million bucks to, or probably closer to like 
seven um, if you can do that. And if you can do that, a couple of guys I would look at, Alex Kerfoot as a third-line center, I think he's a better fit and he's going to be cheaper than Pajot. I think that would work. But the Islanders need some some speed. And when you're in the cap situation that you mentioned, you need to take some swings on some low-risk, high-reward guys. So some unqualified RFAs or guys like Oscar Sundquist, Andreas Janssen, Miles Wood up front. On the back end, I'm looking at guys like Troy Stetcher, um, Shane Gostisbehere, or Matt Dumba, if they're able to move that salary out that I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. I think Shane Gostisbehere would be a great fit. I don't necessarily think Dmitry Orlov would be a great fit because Dmitry Orlov to be at his best needs power play time. And he is frankly not going to play ahead of Noah Dobson on the power play and should not play ahead of Noah Dobson on the power play. But I think guys like Ryan Graves and Carson Soucy are really underrated in terms of their puck moving. And they're also really good defensively. So there's enough options that should come relatively cheap especially if the Islanders can move some salary. And if they can't, then maybe you do go to sort of like the bargain bin. But at the end of the day, I think you're kind of shooting for a a Shane Gostisbehere and a Ryan Graves and a Carson Soucy type. Yeah, those are definitely great options. What is your take on on Tarasenko right now? Hmm. Not not saying for the Islanders, obviously, if he could score, they they need that. But in terms of just frequency, how much value does Tarasenko still have? Oh, I... That's a tough one because if you're a team that needs Vladimir Tarasenko to be your top end scorer, then that's probably not great. But (laughs) if you're a team that can have Vladimir Tarasenko on your second power play unit and on your second line and he's playing with high end guys that can get him the puck, then I think you're talking. But I mean, similar to Patrick Kane, you cannot be paying these guys millions upon millions of dollars just because of what they've done in the past. They showed in their Rangers Cup run that they are not nearly as good as they once used to be. And that happens to everyone not named like Bergeron, Crosby, Ovechkin. Um, And so I think you, you need to taper your expectations. So I actually think he may or may not be a fit with the Islanders if they want to put him on the second line but he's just not fast anymore. And that's a problem because the Islanders are slow enough as it is. You do not need to be adding any more slow players. I would say Tarasenko for me, four and a half million dollars is probably the highest I would go. And as far as the Islanders needs go, Stefan and I were talking about this before we brought you on. And I think it's going to, if, if, everything falls into place, right? And they're able to free up the salary to bring back most of their UFAs and then also add something. As far as you're concerned, what's the bigger need? A top six forward or a puck-moving defenseman? Top four D? A top six forward. Um, Hmm. If I were... Like, they don't need centers. They're good. Unless Lane Lambert doesn't believe that Barzell can play in the middle and he wants him on the wing. If that's the case, I'd be going and getting Elias Lindholm from Calgary. Um... I love him. I think he's an absolutely fantastic hockey player uh, who would fit right in with the Islanders. Mm-hmm. But if they want something on the wings, I think there's a splash to be made. Lou Amorello does not like offer sheets. Um, but I think that Timo Meyer is an interesting name for the Islanders. If they can clear salary, if they can clear salary and they can mm-hmm. take a run at Timo Meyer, I think that's a legitimate thing that they should do. 
He's got speed. He's got size. He can score. He can forecheck. He can play the Islanders system. That's a name I would be looking at. And last one for me, just because you uh, you brought this up prior, is, is Pajot being a potential guy on low to, to get salary. And then you're, you're wondering, you know, what are you going to do about your centers? Now, I think most people seem to think, oh, well, then you're obviously shifting Barzell back to center. But let me ask you this. Is Casey Sezikis a guy who you can bump up from the fourth line to the third line and fill that that third line uh, spot that Pajot would leave open? Because that's kind of how I look at it. And as far as salary structure goes for this team, too, it would kind of suit the team even better because he's an overpaid fourth liner, but he'd kind of be right on the money for a third line center. So as long as he's capable of fulfilling those duties, I feel like that could work out well for them. You can still have Barzell on Horvat's wing. And then you maybe just bring up a guy from the system who can be your fourth line center, more typical, you know, $1 million roughly, give or take, fourth line center who can still be an energy guy. And, uh, you know, maybe that balances the team out a little bit. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think there's there's something to that. Originally, I, before they traded him, thought Atu Ratu would have been the mm-hmm. perfect fit there. Sure. Um, that's obviously not a thing anymore. With Casey Sezikis, the Generally speaking, I would say, yes, I think he's capable of filling that third line role. But with what you need in a prototypical third line center in today's game, mm-hmm. that fourth line, that identity line is so important for the Islanders that I would look to fill that with somebody who makes sort of identical money to Sezikis, somebody like an Alex Kerfoot. Oscar Sundquist, Chris Tierney is another name. I think Chris Tierney would be a fantastic third line center for the New York Islanders because him and Sezikis are very similar. I think that Tierney is a little bit better of a penalty killer and he moves a little bit better, but interchangeable. If you want Sezikis flipped for a matchup reason, you can do that. And Tierney can play on that identity line because he's so similar. I think you could get him and and that would be a guy that would help in that respect that would come pretty cheap. You spoke about uh, Barzal into the wing, and I just want to go back to Horvat. I know we started the conversation with him, actually, but when you look at his season last year, Vancouver, and then coming to the Islanders, what did you make of his his overall year? Yeah, I think uh, my friends have had a running joke. Nobody saw more Bo Horvat games than me um, <laughs> between between like the last year and a half kind of thing. Um, Bo is what I like to call a chameleon. If you want him to play running gun offense, he was on pace for 50 goals this year before he got traded. We know he can score. That much is not really up for debate. But if you need him to be a two-way, totally responsible defensive center that can chip in on offense and probably score 25 to 30, Shodi could do that too. And so that versatility is going to be valuable. I know he's already back on the ice, which I think is certifiably nuts. He needs to take some time, but... I think with Bo, a lot of people were harsh because they expected the Canucks scoring to be injected into the Islanders lineup. And I hate to break it to these people, but I don't know if you watched Vancouver at all last year, but um, defense was not really a thing that they did. Whereas on Long Island, if you don't play defense, you simply will not play. And so I thought Horvat did a really good job of adjusting. It's really tough on a player to learn a system midseason, especially when a guy like Barzell is out. I think that it was an adjustment period. Bo, behind the scenes, had to deal with so much in Vancouver. Like, I can't even get into it, but probably just having that weight lifted off his shoulders and learning a new system took a toll on him. 
So I would say that this coming year, it is reasonable to expect him to be a top-line center who's a two-way guy that scores 30 goals. I think that's extremely attainable for him. That sounds good to me. Hopefully after a, a full training camp with Matt Barzell, that's how it works out. But Rachel, uh, absolutely outstanding stuff. Really appreciate you joining us tonight. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Rachel. You got to take care. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Rachel Dory, host of the Staff and Graph podcast, and of course, a writer on all things numbers over at the Hockey News. So before we take one more quick break, want to remind you all about Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village on Long Island's North Shore. Games for sale and for open play, food and drink, beer and wine, fun and friends. Bring the magic of phones down, eyes up, tabletop board games to your family. Our staff will help you find the right game for you. From old favorites to the hottest new releases, we have everything from strategic to easy party games. Get off your screens and unplug your game for a night your family will remember. Looking for meetups to join? Our Magic the Gathering, Dungeons and Dragons, or Game Night Live communities are welcoming for all. We also do parties and corporate events located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Go to MainSTBoardGameCafe.com for more information. Main Street Board Game Cafe. Find your crowd. Unplug your game. So, folks, with that, I want to thank you once again for tuning in to Twitch.tv slash HockeyNightNY. We're going to take one more break, and then the train rolls on. Miss the days of mixtapes and arcades? Love the taste of a bold IPA or maybe an ice-cold lager? There's a place where all of those magical things come together. Lost Farmer Brewing Company. At 63A East 2nd Street in the heart of Mineola, Lost Farmer combines a love of the 80s and a passion for quality beer to create brews that can only be described as gnarly, radical, and totally tubular. The retro vibe of the tasting bar will amp up your nostalgia while the blend of both local and exotic ingredients amp up your taste buds. Beer not your thing? Crack open a can of cider or sip a Chardonnay on the extended patio. Order up from the snack menu, you can even bring your own. If you're more of a homebody, pick up a growler to go or order online at lostfarmerbrewing.com. And for all of Long Island's hockey fans, Lost Farmer created the delicious Stable Shaker American Lager to celebrate the newly built UBS Arena at Belmont Park. Whether you're at the stable for a hockey game, concert, or a comedy show, you can find Stable Shaker by can and draft around the arena. So raise a cup to the next cup with Lost Farmer Brewery, the future of Long Island craft beer. Hey there, welcome back. We missed you too. Now kick up your feet and settle back in to Hockey Night in New York. You are watching and or listening to Hockey Night in New York, it's twitch.tv slash HockeyNightNY or your favorite podcast providers in the train. Rolls on here. Fantastic stuff from Rachel. Tremendous. Stefan, we started talking about potential UFA targets, potential trade targets for the New York Islanders. So why don't you and I pick up there and start with maybe some potential trade targets for the Islanders? How do you feel about that? Yeah. You good, um, you good with that? I'm a, yeah, that's right. You yeah? can start if you want. Oh, you want me to yeah, start? go for it. All right, so all the Calgary Flames are on the board. Yeah, everyone, everybody, everyone. <laughs> Isn't it? It is the mascot, wild, though, the right? Mascot. <laughs> the Islanders are good with mascots. We got we got Sparky and, and Niles back there. We got the unofficial mascot <laughs> here in Nip, uh, custom T-shirt here. I'm I'm all aboard here on the Nip train. But um, yeah, look, I, I, listen. I don't know how much. Uh, no, I'll say I'll re, let me rephrase that. The the Islanders don't have a lot of trade capital. Let's just put yeah, it on the that's table, right? Much it. So. It's going to be very tough to acquire anybody via trade. And now, it doesn't mean it's impossible, but 
obviously a lot of dominoes have to fall. It, it starts with unloading Josh Bailey. Hopefully you get rid of, you know, his contract some, somehow. And then from there, uh, it's it's interesting that, that Rachel brought up Pajot as one of the guys yeah, that you can that maybe unload yeah. because I have a little more to say about that later. Um, but if you are able to move a contract such as his, then that gives you a little more wiggle room. But also, it can give you an opportunity to actually get something back. You're not trading Pajot and giving something away with him. You you might actually get something back. Now, is it going to be is it going to be the puck moving defenseman you want? Maybe not. Is it going to be a top six forward? Maybe not. But you might be able to get a pick that either you can kind of latch on to Bailey to send to another team. So it's not another, you know, loss for the Islanders or, you know, maybe some kind of asset that they can use on the current squad. It all remains to be seen. But, you know, they, they would have to get really creative to, to acquire somebody via trade. Again, not impossible, but if in a perfect world they found a way to do it, some interesting names. We already talked about the Flames. You have Hannafin, who wants out, apparently. Toffoli, who wants out, apparently. And then you can kind of go down the list, and this is a little more pie in the sky, but Debrinket still seems to be on the table in Ottawa. Yeah, I don't know how the that. Islanders can acquire a guy nope. like that. Next. It, <laughs> exactly. Eric Carlson, he has an $11.5 million cap hit. He's like 34 years and, old. And apparently the Sharks were, are only willing to retain $2 million of that. Right, so, so that, that kind of makes it... That is a non-starter yeah. for the New York Islanders. Not going to happen. Uh, then you look at a guy like Pierre-Luc Dubois, who wants out of Winnipeg. Character. So Rachel made a great point. Character. Remember when she's talking about mm, the prospects, about yes. how are they off the ice, how are they... Mm-hmm. Not saying he's a bad guy off the ice, but the fact that clearly he wants out everywhere he goes, it d- mm-hmm. doesn't seem like a character fit. Right, and the Islanders are very heavy character, yeah. on character. He makes six mil a year again. That's another uh, another. Contract. And he wants to be in Montreal. I think he might go to LA. Oh now yeah, that's rumor. right. Yeah, he really wants to be in Montreal. But I think it sounds yeah. like the Kings might have something there with him. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. Again, just a name to throw out there, <laughs> and also to maybe just you know kind of um, dial back everybody's expectations, right? Yeah. Um, you have a lot going on in Philly now. They're trying to wheel and deal. And you have the thing with Krug now. I'm not. I know I. Put on Twitter that uh-huh. Krug maybe waves to come to the Islanders, and I got you know what are they giving up for that? Big, oh, that's the issue, right? That's that's the biggest <laughs> right. thing. For, that's the thing for everyone, right? Right. Who are they giving up? And you said a perfect world, so I'm playing the perfect world game here. Sure, that's a that's another um, really nice. Again, name. these are names. Not saying they're all fits. It's just names. sure. Travis Konechny, maybe yeah. speaking of Philadelphia, five and a half mil, twenty six years old. But again, I just don't know how much more capital they have after unloading Bavillier, Ratu, and another draft pick to get Bo Horvat. Like it almost seems like if they're adding somewhere, they're wedged into the the uh, free agency pool, which isn't too exciting. It's not, and again, when you don't have cap space, it doesn't matter. Well, again, this is all under the assumption that they're able to find that cap space. I absolutely believe they're going to trade Bailey one way, yep. one way, shape, or form. The real question is, you know, does again, it goes back to what I said before. Does Lou feel like he needs to address these needs that everybody else seems to think, right? He may not agree with us. He may he may look at his defense and say, bring him back, Mayfield is enough. He said, I have Ajo there, I have Balduke there. Those guys are going to continue to grow. I have, I have six defensemen that I can still work with there. I don't have to touch it. He might look at his forwards and say, Wallstrom's coming back healthy. I'm getting him back on probably a cheap contract, maybe around a million dollars, maybe less than a million dollars. And we can talk about him a little bit more in a bit. But, you know, he might just stand pat. And and I know maybe a lot of fans expect that, or maybe, you know, a lot of fans are rolling their eyes at the, at the thought of that. But, you know, it, it really depends on 
really how much he does believe in this team when he says it, right? Uh, are these needs that he feels that they have to address? Yeah, and stay on that point for a second. When we spoke with Lamarillo, he made mm-hmm. a great point I just want to touch on. Someone asked him about speed. Do you think you need to be faster on the back end? Mm-hmm. And Lamarillo made a great point. This is why he is a GM, guys. <laughs> I just want to throw that out there. This is why being fast and moving the puck fast are two completely different things. The Islanders don't need to go get a... I mean, yes, it would help to have a mobile defender that can skate through like a Nick Letty that they once had. Mm. But moving the puck fast, you don't have to be a fast skater to move the puck fast. I think that's when you look at, okay, you get a guy in the back end, doesn't have to be a good transitioner with the puck in terms of skating. Mm-hmm. A good puck mover will do. And that does help change a lot of things where you don't have to go and get the, the barzal S defender. You know, again, Nick sure. Letty, a guy like that would help. But if they think that Dobson... Mm-hmm. I truly believe Lou thinks that Dobson can get there in terms of skating the puck, I'm moving it. And it sounds like he's rather confident. I asked him, I said, what did you make of mm. Dobson's season? He goes, there was too much ridicule about Dobson. Yeah, and you know what's interesting about that too is that when Lamarillo re-signed Dobson, I think a lot of us were either expecting and or hoping that he was going to get that long-term, like seven, eight-year deal, right? Maybe toss him a couple of extra bucks. And he kind of he surprised me. I don't know if he surprised everybody, but he does the bridge deal. And he came out and literally said, this guy's got to show some more. Yeah. And he gives him, what, $4 million per. And it kind of looks like he hit it on the head, right? Because smart, after last smart. season, even though he did put up a lot of points, he's got a lot more to show on the back end. He still has a lot more to show on the power play and a lot more to show as a puck-moving defenseman. So, you know, for a lot of you guys out there saying Lou doesn't know what he's talking about, it looks like he gauged that contract pretty damn well yeah. as we're still waiting to see what this kid can do. And, and you know, I'm an optimist on this show, so, you know, I'm hopeful, and I think that Dobson can ter- turn his you know, puck moving game around is his uh, defensive game around. I think there's still plenty of room to grow. And we've heard ad nauseum just how long it takes for defensemen to really grow into their roles, you know, in the NHL. So I think there's still, you know, a lot of room for Dobson to become that defenseman that we hope that he is. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think maybe in some in some instances, Lou deserves a little more credit than he oh, gets. Oh, we were talking about it before the show started. Yeah. And, again, don't think about anything Lou did ahead of this year, which, again, it's a real word. You have to think about that stuff. But... When the Islanders needed help this season, he did what you want a GM to do that's pushing for a playoff spot. Mm. He got Horvat. And if Barzal doesn't get hurt, who knows what happens in the playoffs? Sure. If they have 30 games to gel instead of six, mm-hmm. that's a game changer. And then Engvall, when Barzal went down and they needed speed, they brought in Engvall. Now, I don't know if Lou thought he would have the effect that he had. Right. But, I mean, that's a you don't make the playoffs without Engvall. Two very highly productive uh, trade deadline acquisitions. No, no question about it. Now, in the in the goals and numbers game for Horvat, Horvat, not as much as we we had expected. But as you've talked about, we've talked about. You know, he he brought a lot more to the table on the other side, filling in for Pajot when he was hurt and taking defensive zone faceoffs, working on the penalty kill. Like he did a lot to help get this team into the playoffs. Now, granted, it was a first round exit, and we've talked about that too, but. You know, I think I think again, a little feather in in, in loose cap addressing needs. You know, because this was a team that's that was playoffs or bust. They already missed the previous year, brand new arena, pressure from ownership, all that stuff. They needed to get in, and I know that you know the bar has been raised here with the Islanders, where you know just getting into the playoffs isn't enough, but small, very small mission accomplished getting those guys in, and also you know get getting to the playoffs and 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 whatnot, and now. You have a training camp coming here where you get Horvat and probably Barzell on his wing unless, you know, p- pending what they do this summer. But you, you're probably going to get a full training camp of those two guys playing together and, and him learning the system with a full camp. And 
you know, as discouraging as his performance uh, numbers-wise in the playoffs were, or just generally speaking, um, you know, as discouraging as that was, I still think that there's there's reason to to hope and believe that you know, with a full camp and 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 whatnot, that you know, he can be a productive, high highly productive member of this team. Yeah, and I think Rachel nailed it with the whole Horvat about yeah. the chameleon thing. That was brilliant mm-hmm. because it's right. He adjusts, he adapts to the system. He's versatile. That's why I think, I'm not saying he makes Pajot expendable because it's important to have more than one person doing the same job. The same way if Mayfield left, mm-hmm. they have Romanov who plays a penalty kill. But again, you'd rather have two of those guys. That's That that helps you win more games. But um, also with Rachel too, going back to the list of, of players, and she made a great point is going mm-hmm. after, taking risks. And not it's not even gambles. It's taking risks. Look at Fashing, right? Who mm-hmm. credits to his son to get that done. Right. Um, do the Islanders make the playoffs without fashing? You just probably aren't me there. You say, yeah, but what he meant to this team was huge. And this was a guy that they brought in. Right. They thought, okay, veteran veteran guy in terms of experience in the AHL. He was a captain in the Coyotes minor league system. He's coming to a young, young um, Bridgeport team. He do a lot of stuff well down there to help. Right. And he turned into a player. And, and one yeah. thing I'm going to say here in terms of, of acquiring that this guy, Jesse Pugliarvi, right? He does not work anywhere. He did not click with Connor McDavid or Dreisaitl. And if that doesn't happen, yeah, he's probably not clicking anywhere. He goes to Carolina. I don't think they're bringing him back. I think he's already not brought back. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. Something about him always just intrigued me of, he's got the skill. Why doesn't it work? And the one yeah. team that brings him on where maybe it just clicks. I just, I don't know. He's got so much talent and just never shows up. Mm-hmm. And I, he probably would cost nothing. And I'm not saying he's going to work with the Islanders. We can't work with the. I mean, you can't work with McDavid. So he's like your potential reclamation project for the yeah, Islanders. Yeah, any team, like dark any horse team, yeah. acquisition. <laughs> yeah, that word. No, it's just <laughs> I. I'm not saying the Islanders should go for him. I'm just saying there, yeah. there's clearly he has a skill and just something some coach hasn't figured out with him, or maybe it's something in, in mental that he's just to figure out. Yeah. But the guy could could be a a scorer. He he could be that guy. And mm-hmm. we talk about it too. The biggest and probably most important thing for the Islanders is Wallstrom turning into that sniper, that top six sniper. It changes everything. Yeah, and that's that's part of something I want to talk about before we get into questions, Bruin, which I want to do soon, is kind of just um, a little game plan that I think f- for this summer for the Islanders. And that's taking all of reality <laughs> into consideration, right? Now we're going to put reality back in? <laughs> yeah, I think... I we think, make our own rules I think here we need to do that, yeah. yeah. No, but look, I mean, they're not going to go out and, and get, you know... Uh, a 40 goal scorer this summer. I mean, bless it's not his, really any bless his heart if he finds a way to do it. But with the cap constraints, with the amount of roster spots that are already fulfilled and committed to, and guys that are most likely to stay with this team, whether you love them or hate them, you know, I look at this 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 summer for this team, and it's again, it starts with dealing Bailey. I think that's automatic. I think that's happening. It has. To, if yeah. they want to do anything, like I don't think he's about. being bought out. <laughs> I think he's getting dealt, and you know, whatever. If it happens, if it doesn't happen, fine. But yeah. <laughs> and 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 let's say Lou is true to his word about wanting to bring all free agents back, and he figure figures out a way to do that. Right? You unload Bailey. You have roughly. Ten and a half million, just under ten and a half million. You might be able to bring all those guys back if it's on a team friendly friendly deal. Otherwise, you got to skim a little more off the top of the cap, right? And after that, uh, I thought it was awesome that Rachel brought up Pajot because he's the guy I think that they got to deal if they want to add anything else to this team. Because you now have you have more centers than you need, and and that's whether Barzell plays center or not. And I don't. And I alluded to this earlier with Rachel. I don't think you need Barzell to play center, even if you dealt. JG Patrick. No, and she made great points of guys you could bring in to fill that third line center yeah. that aren't going to cost you 
Listen, a ton of money. If 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 Islander brass don't don't agree with me and think that Casey Zizekas can bump up to the third line center, because I've said it for years in the show. I think show. he can. No, he's he's got. Look, he's a little older, but he's not old. But he's a little older now. But I've I've said on this show for years, whether it was Tony sitting next to me or Christian sitting next to me nope. or you now, I said Casey Zizekas on almost any other team in this league as a third line center. I still believe that, and I think that this is finally his time. <laughs> this is his well, moment, but- right? To to step into that role if and when if if they do happen to trade a guy like J.G. Pajot because he's still uh, a top-flight centerman. He can kind of still fill that role for J.G. He's still a top-flight penalty killer, which is something J.G. did as well. And I feel like they can they can basically fill in... Not to say that Pajot is fully exp- expendable. I'm a fan of his. I love him on the team, and I know what he brings to the table. But if you just look at where the Islanders can probably unload somewhere I just feel like he's perfect and it's not just any center like you can say oh well maybe Brock Nelson but then then it's a then it's kind of a you know you, you're going another direction yeah you're spotting you know the, the 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 cliche with you know cutting off your nose to spite your face right because we're talking about how they need top six scoring right well if you get rid of Nelson then you're kind of in that spot again right yeah, you, you really need top you want to you want to add yeah. to Brock Nelson you want you don't want to take him away Nelson's a move if the Islanders believe they were no longer in win now mode and they had to do a, a, sure. a retooling to the fact where you got to move your best players but you're talking about Pajot. I don't know how many people realize this he had a real this past year he set a career high in assists and a career high in the faceoff dot if there was ever a time to move him at value again remember he hurt his wrist or his hand and that really impacted his ability to shoot. Mm, and we right. saw, like, oh, when, they, again, when the Islanders signed him, they thought they were getting everything you said, mm-hmm. and a guy that could put up 20 to 25 goals every year. And again, he was playing on a top line with Ottawa, right. not a lower a line, a third line here. But, yeah, now's the time to move a guy like Pajot if you are going to move him. Again, he brings so much. Right. And, but the other thing, too, is if you want to move Pajot, it doesn't have to go to, it doesn't have to be, like, you don't get a pick back. You might be. But you could include, if you're going to a team that I needs... I think you get a pick back at least. No, no. What I'm saying is, though, if you're moving Pajot, not a rebuild, not a younger team, a team that needs that second, like, that, they need that pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, excuse me. They need that center to make that final push. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're willing to bring a player back the other way. The Islanders put Pajot and a pick and a prospect. Can they get, you know, maybe that winger they're looking for in return rather than just trading... Yeah, or, or get a piece that they can put towards that. And yeah, I, and I exactly. think that's something that Lou really needs to look at. I'm sure he's listening to me. <laughs> <laughs> but... That's the move I think you make. And then I think when talking about choosing between getting a top six scorer or a puck move defenseman, I go with the defenseman. Mm-hmm. And that's whether or not Mayfield is brought back under this scenario, I'm assuming he is. But I think if you do bring in another D, it makes him a little more expendable. You can let him walk if you want that ca- uh, cap you know, uh, expenditure as well, or cap uh, relief as well. Um, then, but then you're wondering, you know, who's going to play the penalty kill like he does? That's you know, the biggest gonna, thing. Right. And he's so, a right side. So defenseman. I've kind of convinced myself that maybe they do need to keep Mayfield if if he's if he's still affordable, right? And then I think the the last part of this uh, this wonderful plan of mine is is you got to bet high on Oliver Wallstrom, and I think you got to you, you know you sign him to that you know roughly million dollar contract. I think they can sign him for less because in a, in a strange way his injury was a blessing in disguise in the sense that. He didn't. He hasn't proven himself yet. Yeah. No. Obviously, I didn't want the guy hurt. I wish. He, I wish he stayed healthy and scored 30, 40 goals last season. But the fact that he didn't, he hasn't really earned himself uh, a high level contract. So, however many years you want to do it, but you sign him at basically a minimum number for him, and you bet high on him gelling with you know one of those you know top six lines. I mean, we can talk about it another day how you're going to configure the lines because he's a right winger. Barzell plays right wing. Where you're going to put him? But. 
I think that's that's kind of the way you go. You bring in the puck mover, you unload JGP, you bump Sezikis up to third line center, you either bring up a guy through the system, whether it's a guy like Koivula or somebody like that, or you, or you bring in a guy from the out, a UFA, you know, a cheap guy who can fill in that fourth line energy role. And I think that's a team, you know, you feel a little bit better about going into an 82-game season. Yeah, I'm also going to go with, I think defense is puck moving defenseman mm-hmm. has to be the top priority. Just again, if you believe that you're getting Wallstrom back, Barzell's healthy, you're assuming that Horvat is going to play a lot better. And if you're bringing Engvall back, I'm not saying the offense is enough, but if you strengthen your defense, first off, you're getting a guy that could also just play defense, not just mm-hmm. a guy that scores goals like Carlson, who is just not strong in his own zone. That helps there, but also again, a puck moving defenseman impacts the offense. For sure. Your offense will yeah. be better. It's not that your forwards are going to be scoring. Look no further than the power play, man. Yeah. And, and I, know, I think you need Rachel, that quarterback. Rachel made a good point where she goes, mm-hmm. Dobson won't be moved at that top line. And you're thinking, how is he not? You know, what yeah. in the playoffs? But if it, it makes perfect sense because mm-hmm. you saw the whole year he didn't get moved off. You saw in the playoffs he get moved, gets moved off that last game. But you know for a fact, they're not going to now in training camp and in preseason not put him on the power play. They're going to give this guy every chance because if he right. does figure it out, right. your goal, and I think the biggest thing too is, he has the skill. I think it's mental. And I think Pulak, sure. Pulak did. Pulak was asked about Dobson and just dealing with the mental tolls that comes with developing as a defenseman. And Pulak said, I was there. You know, I came up. I struggled. You know, it's tough. But once once you get a handle on it, you figure it out. And I think with Dobson, the mistakes he was making were, were mostly mental. Because again, he's got, he clearly has the skill. We saw it last year. He could do it. He could quarterback a power play. He did it a little bit last year. And obviously, he did it all year this year. He's got what it takes. I think it's just about, listen, you know, you have to. Especially if Mayfield walks, not only does Dobson have to be still that offensive guy, and I'm not saying Dobson well, can play the penalty. If Mayfield game. walks, they need a right-handed defenseman. No, because <laughs> he's not there right now. <laughs> yes, but <laughs> Dobson will have to pick it up defensively. I'm not yeah. saying he has to play on the penalty kill, but you're losing a guy that's a strong defender. You need to yeah. spike belief where Mayfield's not good, which whatever. Um, <laughs> no point in going, but like Dobson needs to, pick, right. Dobson needs to pick it up defensively. Again, that's the offense will be there. And I think the biggest mm-hmm. thing is when you, you know, in baseball too, when you see guys struggle in the field, it affects their batting. And I think the biggest thing was Dobson is the power play, lack of power play success wasn't as impacting his defensive side, but he, I think he went the last 30 games out of goal. I think everything weighed and, and things like yeah. that. So I think for Dobson, a fresh start to the year, especially I think that we're going to get Romanov back with Dobson. I think that's obviously how they're going to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think what, Romanov is key to Dobson's success as well. We saw Romanov come in. They both struggled to start. But after the halfway mark, All-Star game, Romanov looked like a, just a different yeah, defender. Said, yeah. So confident. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be huge for Dobson because if Romanov's going to be that stay-at-home guy that steps at the right times, maybe that takes a little bit of that pressure off of Dobson having to be, he had to be that defensive guy. Especially when Aho was pairing with Dobson. Dobson had to be more of a defensive guy because Aho wasn't that guy. Romanov back being that stable guy. Not that he's a veteran, but remember, Dobson, when he figured out in his career early on, he was paired with stay-at-home guys that could just strong, strong defenders. Romanov, again, doesn't have the experience that those guys had, but he could be that guy where he takes pressure off Dobson, let Dobson flourish offensively. I think we'll just see Dobson's game go to that next level. Well, we shall see, but there are a couple of guys I want to check in with right now, and that's Ed and Jay behind the glass back there. How are we doing? It's time for We're doing great. Ready? Ready on the trigger, Ed. Yeah, what's yeah. going on, boys? How you been? How's summer going? Summer's going great. Yeah. It's nice to get the band back together for yeah. the little uh, yeah. reunion tour nice for the to summer. Nice to see everybody's lovely face yeah. once again. How are we yeah, doing likewise. in the chat, man? Doing great. Everyone loved Rachel. Awesome. She was great. She was great, yeah. yeah. 
So do you have any questions, <laughs> you any questions? for us? I don't have questions. Chad has questions. Well, can you I mean, please share them with us? All right, just ask, ask the right way next time. <laughs> Damn. Uh, Mr. Tom Boyle, we're starting off T with Boyle. Tom Boyle. What's up? <laughs> um, speaking of uh, Scott Mayfield, uh, mm. he claims that he wanted him to be traded at the deadline. Mm-hmm. Uh, but could you see a team trading for him uh, before this Saturday? All right, I'll step in here because I just talked about it. Um, there's no point in trading Mayfield. Now, if Mayfield was younger and any team was willing to... I, say, guess, you know, I guess he means, like, do you see a team, like, wanting Mayfield almost? Like, do, do you uh, see I'll a team, like, point. wanting to trade for him? Well, just, just I mean, he's going to be... He's a pending unrestricted yeah. free agent. So I don't know if we're literally answering this question in the idea of trading his rights. Well, that's, that's, that's what, what he said. Oh, yeah, he did say rights. Okay, oh, so he that's did. what I'm getting okay. into. So... It would only make sense to me for them to do that if Mayfield was going to sign that eighth. That's the whole point of trading the rights. You could offer mm-hmm. that eighth year. Mayfield's 30. He's not getting an eight-year deal. If Mayfield mm-hmm. was 24 or 25, then maybe you'd trade his rights to the draft because that team will willing to offer that eighth year. But because he's 30, mm-hmm. a team, why give up assets when you just sign him? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't see that happening. And, uh, yeah, I don't think it would, it would bring much return either way. Um, but uh, but like the question. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, next up from Mike forty six fifty two. What up? Uh, he says, "Does Maggio have any sort of shot making the big club this year?" Part two. Any rumblings on Teresa yesterday? Uh, Maggio's my guy. Yeah. <laughs> Last year he stood at, a, at development camp, and I spoke to him at the end of it, and, and I said, "You know what? Have they told you are you going to be in Bridgeport? Where are you going to go? Go back to juniors. Wins OHL Player of the Year. He's an overager, but people need to people worry too much about that. He's an overager by I think three months." And there's a bunch of those guys that are around mm. there. It's one thing to be an overager by a full year or 11 months where it's like, okay, you could develop a lot. A couple of months. He also went overseas and put in the work overseas during the COVID year. So this kid has the skills. I truly believe that. And I think a big thing for him is just going to be confidence because they told him when he went down to juniors that you're going to put up a lot of points. Like they knew that that was I don't know if they knew that he was going to do what he did. Mm-hmm. But you're going to put up a lot of points. Right. Focus on being that he was the captain of his team. Mm-hmm. Focus on being a team player. Focus on just working on your overall game. And I think I don't know if he has a. I don't know if anyone, if they bring everybody back, has a chance to make the roster just because they have too many veterans. But what I will say is that if he goes down to Bridgeport and gets off to that hot start, like we saw with the fashion when he got called up for playing well, or Bardreau when he was playing well a little bit there, we saw Holmstrom. We saw all these guys last year get called up. If Maggio plays well, he could be the first or second guy called up. And I think. Again, I don't know how far away he is from being a true NHLer. If he'll get there, he's a late-round pick. But, again, he's got the skill. And I think that if he gets off to a hot start in Bridgeport, he deserve, he will deserve the chance, as anyone that gets off to a hot start in Bridgeport. This next one comes from Stefan's Twitter. Hey. Oh, yes, uh, his Twitter followers, if uh, they had any questions. So this one is from Top Shot Yoda. He said, here's one. Though for sure they were far from the semis by taking the uh, Canes to six. What moves do they have to make to put them closer to a semis rather than missing the playoffs as they almost did this year? Almost gotta only f- counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. Just got to follow Sean's plan. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think it's close. Close only counts. Oh. Horseshoes and hand grenades. Huh? What? What? It's close. Only counts in horseshoes and hand you grenades. You sure? Yeah. I don't I don't, I don't think know. you're right. Almost. I don't know what you guys are talking about. You might be right. It's a, I don't it's know. a phrase. It's a phrase. It's an old phrase that I should not have quoted. Anyway, <laughs> okay. Um, what do they have to do? Well, first off, the what players do do, on the roster, besides following Sean's plan, <laughs> you pl- you need the guys that are signed already to pick up their game. And something Lou said. Lou said, I have to be better. Coaching have to be better. The players have to be better. You look at Horvat. Again, not saying that he, we already talked about how important he was. 
But this year when it starts, you can't go the first 20 or so games without a goal. You need your top guys. You need Barzal coming back to be Barzal that they're paying $9.15 million to. Not the Barzal from a couple years ago where, you know, not a lot happens. Anders Lee, again, as much as maybe his stick hand-eye coordination in front of the Nets deteriorated a little bit, he put up 28 goals last year. They're going to need him to do the same. Brock Nelson's got to stay hot like he was. We talked about Dobson's key next step. Wallstrom, like you said, he's got to figure out how to be a consistent scorer. That's, this is the year for Wallstrom to figure out if he's going to be a top six guy in this league with the Islanders. <laughs> Part three. <laughs> top six guy with the Islanders. Uh, top six guy in the league in general, or he's going to be a bottom six guy yeah. that's that turned into a guy that's just not consistent enough. And they I need think, him to pan out this year. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot riding on Oliver Wallstrom. And, and and sure, in the archives, we might have said this a summer ago. We might have said this two summers ago. But I think with the cap constraints, and, and which what I believe is is going to be a situation where I don't think they're going to add much from the outside and the forward end. Again, Lou proved me wrong. But um, but I think there's going to be a heavy emphasis on a, on a guy like Wallstrom putting in a lot of pucks this year, and and obviously, you know, seeing that gelling between between Barzell and 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 Horvat. But most, you know, maybe most importantly, just get the damn power play going because this team if is. If the power play was three percent clicks higher, they're not. They maybe still finish as a as a top wild card spot, but they probably have that locked up. Before game eighty two and in the playoffs, I mean sure, that's huge. Even if if they're a middle of the road power yeah. play team, they might have made the third seed. You yeah. know what I mean? Like but they the might have avoided too. the wild card. And then of course, if they had a functional power play against the Canes, they probably win that series. That's where they lost because the they series. almost <laughs> won it without the power play. By the way, it is almost. I just looked it up. It is Don't close. Count. Close also Don't counts. Yeah, but close makes more sense so than almost. I think I listen. I'm not I'm not ready to 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 anoint them, you know, Stanley Cup contenders again and and I'm considering them Stanley Cup contenders back when they went on those semifinal runs, right? Uh, a win away in in the second run, right? To get to the finals. Um but Where they would have killed Montreal probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably. We'll, we'll always have that. <laughs> but but listen, I mean if you look at how they they played against the Canes, you know, in the playoffs, and and if they can get a power play going and and maintain, like like what I'm curious to see is, and I, I would have to think this is the case, but you know, Lane's probably going to double down on that, you know, more Barry Trot style of hockey, right? He's not going to try to run and gun it again like he did in the beginning of the season last Depending year, right? Depending on who's back. Yeah, I guess, I guess <laughs> I guess that's true, but and we'll talk about that when camp comes around. Yeah, but you know, they they they. They look to me like they were a power play away from at least, you know, going another round or two. I think I think they could have they could have beaten the Devils. I think the Panthers would have trounced them. I think if they got to the conference they final, if they got yeah. that far, the Panthers were gonna. They were still take. having that magic moment. You just yeah, can't. like they had every, they had they had the star power. They had Kachuk. They had Bobrovsky playing Bronx, like Vesner yeah. winner. Bobrovsky maybe in the finals he wasn't, but in the conference finals like. They, they weren't getting past the Panthers. Now, we can sit here and try to figure out how the hell they do that. But They go, they go and get their Kachuk. Yeah, right, yeah, which is easy. But, um, but look, I don't think they're too far away from advancing another round or two in the playoffs. You know, getting to a cup final and winning a cup, that's another conversation entirely. But um, I, I, I think they were all right, you know? Uh, actually, Mike says... Uh you glanced over a second part of his question. Uh, yeah. any, I asked, uh, any Parise rumblings? As well, no Parise rumblings. Um, he said that after the season ended, that he was going to talk to his family again. When he, I, people, I don't know if everyone knows this, but when he signed with the Islanders originally, his family didn't come, and they're still not here. They live in Minnesota, so I think that does take a toll. I'm pretty sure Parise's spoken about. It. I don't want to speak for him. So I think again, he's been in the league for what 18 years. 
at this point. He's coming off a great year. Like, there's no reason he wouldn't come back in terms of skill. It's not like he's old. People look at age, and that yeah, if you're playing bad and you're old, that's the sign. Well, I was always said they want him back. It's up to him. Oh, it's completely up yeah, to yeah. him. But I'm saying like he, he plays like a 25 year old, and he's always played that way. Hard work. Maybe he's not mm-hmm. the goal scorer he once was, but I mean, 21 goals. You know, I'll take it for 775k <laughs> against the and, cap. And goals, he will play anywhere in the lineup. Mm-hmm. And Trotz joked that he's played everywhere except goalie, and he would probably play goalie if he asked him to. Sure. Um. I just, I don't know. Going back to that last game afterwards, seeing him in the locker room, again, I'm never, I'm not a professional athlete. I don't know what it takes to be that guy, but to put in all that effort, to decide to come back and play another year already, to go through that, the heartache. Not again, be with his family. Not, I, I, don't, I don't know if it's, he doesn't have anything to prove anymore. If he wants to come back because he loves the game, sure, but I don't think to him, you know, going for that cup, of course, every player wants to win a cup. I don't think it's, again, he said it's Islanders or nowhere. So, I, I kind of think he retires, but there's no, no, I don't want to speculate again. Same thing with Lou if he was retiring. This is Parise for him to announce on his own. So I don't think we'll hear anything until Parise makes the official announcement. There you go. Gotcha. Uh, Tom asks, do you see the Islanders trading to get back into the first round? No. Nope. I, I just don't think, I don't, <laughs> to get back in, what you'd have to give up would probably be a Brock Nelson hmm. to get, or another top guy, which again doesn't help, help them. I, yes, there's, it's, it's weird. You're looking at a win-now team, right? They believe yeah. they're a win-now team. Unless you're picking in the top 10, which they wouldn't, Right. those guys are going to be ready for the future probably or in a year. This team's in win-now now. I know they have to upgrade their prospect pool, but it'd be different if this was a team like, again, if they're going to start a rebuild, then you trade a Nelson to get back in sure. the first round. But they need players that are going to help them right now, and unless they're find a pick that they like, listen, we want someone at number 12 that we think could really help us right now, I, I don't think it's happening. Agreed. Gotcha. Uh, we're running short on questions. A lot of the other ones on Twitter are about Josh Bailey, which okay. a lot of like, do you see him uh, staying an Islander nope. or leaving? <laughs> I don't think there's nope. actually any chance. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, this is my favorite question, and uh, oh, I think okay. it might have to be the last. Um, sure. Uh, MJ Beckman asks, did Rosner confirm his in his tweet that he was buzzed last night? And what was the drink that did it? Oh, jeez. My guess was O'Doul's. Yeah. Well, I told you. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. Did I? Oh, I told you. I, mm. Yeah. Casa yeah. Azul. O'Doul's is a... Oh, Azul. I think you said, Odu- yeah, no. said Azul. No. we. No. It was... O'Doul's. It was a lot. Alcohol. I am confirming the report per multiple sources. And um, it multiple was... Multiple sauces. Sauces, yeah. Sauces. It, was, yeah. It, it was a good time. You let um, your Long Island out there. Yeah. It was a good time. I'm not... Drunk now. That's all that matters. So, so you yeah. say. I'm getting there. Yeah. How <laughs> like, are all these lights doing on you, by the way? <laughs> yeah, it's not lights out. Jarring. No one's home. That's no, fine. It's <laughs> yeah. um, it's good. It's not. The I'm pain, fine. The pain is just numbing at this point. It's not. I mean, I don't know how I'm drinking this right now. It's not. It was pain this oh, morning. Hair of the dog. Yeah. Unless you want to correct. Is it not hair of the dog? Maybe you want to correct me <laughs> on old sayings. <laughs> the clash of cliches with yeah. Stefan and Ed. The two people that should <laughs> not be doing this conversation. <laughs> uh, but no, this morning was rough. We're good now. We're good. Gotcha. Well. Uh, we, uh, you know, I'm asking if anyone has any last minute questions, uh, to get in here for questions. T. Doyle definitely has another one. Come on. Come on, Tom. Yeah. Come no, on. Hey, look, if that's it, that's it. We appreciate it. Is there anything else? Are we no. good? Well, then I guess we're wrapping we're, it up. We're running so that, dry. So that's it for questions, Bruin. I want to thank everybody for hanging out in the chat, for throwing their questions out there. And that is going to do it for the show. So well, do you want me to play the outro? Could you Would- please? <laughs>
All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you all for tuning in to twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY and your favorite podcast providers for another edition of Hockey Night in New York. A big, big thanks to Rachel Dory for joining us earlier in the program. And of course, a big thanks to our sponsors, starting with Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Check them out at bluelinedeli.com. Also, a big thanks to Lost Farmer Brewing Company, located at 63A 2nd Street, in Mineola, check them out at lostfarmerbrewing.com. And, of course, a big thanks to Main Street Board Game Cafe, located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Check them out at mainstboardgamecafe.com. And a big, big thanks to Floored Media and Jay here for hosting us here on the show. Hey, if you're uh, looking to do anything like this, you got a podcast, you got a show, check out floredmedia.com. They do an outstanding job, as you can see. We love being here. We love being a part of it. So big thanks to Jay and Floored Media for hosting us here in Rockville Center. And if you dig what we're doing here at Hockey Night New York, please rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, subscribe on Twitch, subscribe on YouTube, on Twitter, all the places in the world. Stefan, where can everybody follow you? You can follow me at Stefan underscore Rosner, S-T-E-F-E-N underscore Rosner. And at the Hockey News and starting July 1st officially. I don't know when the first article will be out, but NHL.com. NHL.com. That's right. You can follow myself on the Twitter at Shoney Hockey. You can follow the show at Hockey Night NY. And uh, I think that's pretty much it. So for Ed, for Jay... For Stefan, my name is Sean Cuthbert. We've been Hockey Night in New York. We will see you next time.